What is poetry? That page has been ripped out, sir. Well, if I were somebody else's book. They're all ripped out, sir. Okay, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I'm Cammy Black, and joining me this week we've got Al Kerr. Hi there. Rory Baldwin. Hello. And Jack Mysick. Hiya. Uh, so how have you guys all been since last week's podcast? Very good. I've actually been uh, combing through the uh, player ratings. I've looked at every player ratings article that Al's ever posted and found out he did actually give Ross Ford a 7 once Oof. in... In the 2014 game against Tonga, was that the game that ended Andy Robinson's career? Yeah, it is. Up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and he, so Fordy, Fordy actually had a good day. Well, he had got he got a seven. Vastly Maybe improved in There we go. Yeah. Oh well. Um, May have even tried to hook in the scrum. Yeah. Full disclosure that we are recording, uh, pre-recording this episode. So if anything horrendous has happened in the world or the world of rugby, and you think we're all being heartless, um, it's not that we're just ignoring it. Um, we are pre-recording. So we this. can't see it to the future. Yeah. Um, mainly because I'm um, all across the northeast of England next week. Um, so um, we'll start with a bit of review of the Six Nations. What I've done, guys, is I've combed our previous round table bits just to pull out some questions um, for us to talk about. Um, we normally do these on the blog, but we'll um, just because we're in the absence of having a podcast previously. Um, so, this is a much better system. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Rory, three wins and tied for second on match points and bonus points. Um, was that a good Six Nations for Scotland overall? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's a problem. It's a, maybe, a, you know, it, it looks a bit harsh when you look at the table and think fourth. Oh, that's not very exciting. We're bottom half the table still, but you know that was. Uh, I think setting out, you would have taken two wins, um, beating Ireland, who were fresh off you know wins against the All Blacks and pretty hot, hotly favoured as um, tournament challengers. Certainly, you know that was not many people would have seen that happening. Uh, I think Wales and Italy were probably the two that everyone thought we were in with a shout of and. You know, we weren't that far away from France, got losing Bozer's point. I think the injuries just did, did us in that game. Um, I think if Laidlaw's still on the pitch, maybe the end of that game would, would have gone slightly differently. Um, I think also the way that pretty much every time Scotland get down into the, maybe not the 22, but just, you know, 22 or thereabouts, um, the opposition, you, you know, you used to just think, well, what's the point of that? They're not going to score a try. We're just going to wait for Mossy to kick a penalty. But now every time they do it, you genuinely feel these guys can score a try and you're not quite sure where it's going to come from. It's not always hoggy. Um, they've got threat threats far out. I mean, even Gordy Reid scoring tries. Um, I think, you know, yeah, we're, Scotland are now, until we start winning away and until we keep winning, um, you know, we have to back it up next season for, for the respect that a lot of the guys commenting on the, commenting on the site are, you know, want from the pundits, but, you know, there've been a fair few, fair few false dawns and these, these guys are used to seeing our team getting beaten consistently, so it's going to take a more than a more than three wins to change the mindset. But I think this is this is definitely the start of it. And and Al, do you think we're being harder on Scotland because we've been there before, or is it a case that we're being harder because we're expecting more? I think it's it's probably the latter. I think you can see, you know, finally, you know, and we've talked about. 
uh, I think probably in these uh, these round tables and the blog for a number of years, you know, the green shoots of recovery or the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, you know, we're beyond that now. And I think, you know, we're, we're past that stage and we're into the next stage of development of this team. And, and the, the, they have all the, the the core skills and ability, and I think even now that the, and the big change is the mindset that they can go out and challenge. And if you take the England result as, as maybe a, you know an isolation, it can look a lot worse. But uh, I think when you look at the long game on this and the, in the journey to 2019 and where they were in 2015, they are pretty much exactly where you would expect them to be and they're, they're possibly even slightly further ahead of the curve and um you know if they go and do a good australia tour and then you know um hit into the autumn internationals and then next year's six nations um and and build on this they can look forward you know well, a lot of hope you know and i think yeah yeah yeah, we might be tough on them. It's it's tough love. We love them, but you know, we want them to be better. That's the parent in me coming out. You see, <laughs> uh, Jack. Uh, two years ago on the blog, we were fretting about Scotland's shallow talent pool, um, and we might have a strong starting fifteen now. But I, I, I don't know this year whether it was down to injuries or a lack of depth. But maybe the bench didn't have as much punch as other teams. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, I think the bench has been better than it has been in, in, in some parts. I mean, you look at guys like Tim Swinson, who's been playing out of his skin um, for Glasgow. And then you like people are like to, to the point where people are like, oh, he should be starting over Richie Gray. And then that's brought one of the better tournaments Richie Gray's had out of him. Um, there's definitely more competition in that squad. You see all the guys in, in all the BBC Sport articles, you see them all saying that there's more competition. Uh, yeah, we could still do with a bit of work, but um, I, I think there's a lot of guys coming through at youth level. Um, just to t- like touching upon that, I watched a bit of the under twenties and stuff, and you know, like there's some really good talent coming through. So like, um, our system's far improved from back in the Frank Haddon and Andrew, Andy Robinson and the another coach that we're not really going to mention between them and Vern Cotter. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say we're we're definitely in a better position talent pool wise than we were before we just it is just that shallow that um like it's going to take some time to really develop into a big squad of really international standard players um and and rory who for you stood out for you this tournament from scotland um probably i mean probably the guys we spoke about last week or, or a few few, hour, <laughs> few minutes ago um the hamish watson um, obviously, Stuart Hogg has been um, superb and probably escaped his injury. Meant that he kind of escaped the tarnishing that the Twickenham game gave up, gave a lot of players. Um, I'm I'm not certain that he will win Player of the Tournament, but he and Finn Russell have been nominated, and I think Hogg has actually had a really good, really good tournament. I mean, he's he's a lot more creative than he used to be. So he finishes, but he also creates. He's People, you know, had question marks about whether he was kind of a, you know, a bit selfish um, a few years ago. But I think actually Vern Cotter could probably take a, a fair bit of the credit along with Townsend for turning that attitude around. He's now a very selfless player, and um, you can see what it means to the guy when he when he wins. Um, so yeah, Hog, Hog was great. Watson um, has pinballed around in our affections, but I think he's back. He's back on uh, back on top. Um, I think Hugh Jones had almost had a breakthrough tournament. He was he was starting to look really good against Italy before that uh, injury, and that's obviously going to keep him out for 
four or five months now they reckon so that's his, his Lions tour his summer tour and his last season of Super Rugby so you know whether he's not even going to be able to hang around down in Cape Town till till August which I'm sure would probably be quite disappointing um, <laughs> yeah he, he's he just about just about there um, I think Ali Price is probably he probably break breakthrough tournament um, I mean Fagerson, you could argue that was his first Six Nations as well, and I don't think he's done himself any harm. Well, that's technically his second Six Nations, because didn't he make his debut against England last year? Oh, yeah, he might have done. Yeah, for a few minutes. For a couple of minutes, when Nell was, you know, Nell was playing everything, and now, now Fagerson's <laughs> the guy that has to play the full, you know, go the full 80, just about. Um, but, Al, we've got Finn Ross on knocking over points now with the boot, Um and a lot of people are suggesting that Laidlaw's time in a Scotland shirt might be over. Um, I mean, he's 31 now, and he'll be he'll turn 34 during the next World Cup. I mean, are, are we writing him off too soon? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think there was a, there are a couple of probably, and it's it's always it's always the way you know you miss them when they're not there. And there were a couple of moments in this tournament that you you could have seen Laidlaw adding you know significant value France game obviously Laidlaw goes off um, I can't imagine that he would rush the kick uh, and allow himself to be rushed in the way that Russell was you know that goes to 18-16 um, I think the control of the team would have been very different and in England you know at the point of where Scotland get it back to what was it 21-7 after Reid scored you know Laidlaw's the man that he changed. I suspect he controls that game. I suspect there's um, the proper words in the ears to screw the nut, get to halftime, and you know try and recover a mess. Uh, and it's that level of leadership that I think you know we still don't have other than Laidlaw. I, he is, you know, he's he, he's a wee man, but by Christ, he, he moans like buggery. He gets in the referee's <laughs> ears, but I think he has the respect of the players around him. Um, and he is he he has got it when it comes to leadership. And, and I think would, there were times where having him on the park, I think, would have made a difference. So I, I think Price has got a huge future in front of him, but you know he needs to learn. And I think maybe coming off the bench for Laidlaw is maybe his future over the rest of this year, presuming Laidlaw gets back to fitness. Jack, would you agree with that? Do you think we'll still see Laidlaw around the Scotland camp come 2019 in Japan? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly within the camp. Whether he's uh, playing or not um, is, is open to question. Uh, I mean, yeah, just to highlight on Al's point, I think what we suffered from was the fact that we Scotland have kind of have had one talismanic leader for quite a considerable period of time now. And when he went, then... Like I, I mean, I, I won't lie, I was quite impressed with Barkley. I thought he did pretty well, but just not got the experience of being a captain that Laidlaw does, which will come in time if he gets more opportunities. Um, I mean, I think Scotland will look back from the Six Nations and having to have played without their captain for such a considerable part, and it will really benefit them going forward. Um, and Rui, we'll maybe talk about this in more detail on the blog um, at some point before the summer tour kicks off. But but what do you think Gregor Townsend's priorities are coming in after that Six Nations? Um, probably get WP now fit would be a good start. If, I mean, if we can, if we can, if we can clone him. Yeah, if we could. I mean, if we could field our top four props, who are Fagerson, Nell on the tight head, and Dickinson plus one of either Dell or Sutherland, it's not actually clear which of those two. I mean, there's a bit of a logjam at loose head at Edinburgh. Um, I don't know whether maybe some of the 
some of the talent swapping that's gone on might might go the the other way um, and get one of them along to Glasgow or maybe one of them down to England or somewhere to get to get some game time because I mean you can see what it's done for for Dell having you know having those those starts since um, since the autumn he's come on come on leaps and bounds um, whereas Sutherland was really you know, he was he was the big the big kind of hope for a, a replacement for Dickinson and now we've got a couple of them so um, yeah I think um, it Townsend will, will will want if he could, if he could get if he can build the depth if he can find out what is uh, you know a way to get his his property his full team playing I think his his other main priority is um, is uh, finding out what's what's in that bandage around Finn Russell's head <laughs> and trying to get trying to get him which I'm Townsend's maybe not not the best guy to do that given you know how he was as a player but he need you know he needs to just just sort of um, just knock the knock the volume level down a couple of decibels, just so that he can uh, and give him some you know some stuff on on game management and stuff because you know he's undoubtedly a great creative fly half. He's probably um, he's probably probably one of the top. He's certainly up there. He's maybe just below Ford at the moment. Who's but Ford has this thing with Farrell that gives him you know gives him great great advantages. And Sexton's a great fly half. He's probably got the most complete game, but he's you know he's fragile and possibly um open to a bit of niggle i mean finn just everything washes off his back so i think he's got the best you know he's potentially got the best temperament and the best skill set if he could just kind of learn to control the game a bit more learn when to kick for the corners and things so if i was tuning that would be the thing the big thing i would look, look to work on with him and how what are you putting in um gregor's entry yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think Rory's covered an awful lot, a lot of ground uh, there, uh, Rory. Um, I, I think the big challenge, obviously, is, is just can he squeeze that extra 5 or 10% out? And, and I think, obviously, he has that relationship with that cohort of players uh, from the Glasgow side of things. I can see him having to spend quite a lot of time building that same level of relationship up with those guys that are based down in England that have not worked with him, and then the guys in Edinburgh. So, you know, he will have some exposure from his time um, at the national level previously, but he's been away from that for a while. A lot of different players in there. So I can see him trying to get those guys to buy into his ethos and his sort of philosophy, to use the the turn of phrase, you know, for the game. And I think if he can get that, and I think that's where the summer tour will probably, you know, he will use a lot of that summer tour to get those guys on the same page as the likes of Hogg and Seymour and Russell who are doing it week in, week out underneath him at Glasgow. And I think that's that's probably his biggest challenge is then getting that cohesive view across, you know, the the broader squad. And then, Jack, if you look ahead to the summer tour when Townsend takes over, Scotland are due to play Australia, Fiji and, bizarrely, Italy, um, that famous Southern Hemisphere giant. Um, what do you think the minimum we should be expecting from that tour? Um, I mean, we should be looking at that and taking two wins at an absolute minimum, I'd say. Uh, I mean, it's really good that Scotland are getting to play Fiji uh, um, for just for... Uh, the welfare of rugby down there. Um, the Italy thing's really annoying because it should be someone like Tonga. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, we. I think it has to be. And if I was Tuni, I'd be looking at two wins and at a minimum sticking with Australia for seventy minutes and coming out with a, a, a narrow loss. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you go, if you think about it as a sort of quadrangular tournament, if Scotland don't 
that you know if they get snubbed by Gatland and there's actually a nearly full squad, Scotland should really be going down there with the aim of winning that tournament is and going three from three. I think it's going to depend on the team he's got available. Yep. I mean, in terms of the team he's got available, I mean, we were in last week's episode, um, we were maybe a bit pessimistic about the number of um, Lions that Scotland might get. But is there an argument to say that some players, even if they don't make the Lions, should be left at home and, and, and this is a chance to blood some some of those who have maybe been out of the setup, like Lee Jones, Rory? Um, yeah, I know mean, uh, Gab put up an article on the on the site th- this morning. Um, having a look at the look through the squad, and there's a few. I mean, he he suggested resting figures, and that's probably going to depend on Nell's fitness. I think if Nell's fit, you could go with Nell and Bergen, and maybe get Bergen some more game time. But I think if Nell's not fit, and um, Xander's going to have to uh, going to have to tough it out again. Um, I think there was a few. Obviously, Hugh Jones is going to be. It's going to be left at home. There was a few few guys um, that are potentially, you know, could could use a rest. Um, maybe John John Hardy if he comes back fitness. But then again, he'll probably be champing at the bit to 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 go and play. So, yeah, this is where I I would probably disagree with trying to just dropping people back in again. I I I would take the absolute strongest squad that you can on this Aussie tour. One is you know there's an opportunity to go down and uh, beat. You know Australia again in their own backyard. Um, kind of like we need a wet night in Newcastle all over again, but we'll take it. Um, even if it's just to see Strokosh and Joe bro smack heads in the stands and, and nearly knock themselves out, um, <laughs> which was a cracking moment. But I, you know, I th- I think he has to take his strongest squad because looking, he's coming in. This is his first time away. You know, leading the national side. I go back to the point I made a minute ago. He needs to to get that cohesive view, and he'll only get that by getting the guys on the trading paddock. You know, consistently and for a period of time, and a tour allows him to do that. Um, it's I appreciate we need to drop people in, but maybe that's the sort of November uh, internationals is the time to against the All Blacks. Right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? They'll be tired after the Lions anyway. And the and the, 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 the extra game top. against England, they will be, which they're not getting, which they're not getting. Yeah, I saw someone suggested that um, Murrayfield SRU should step in and offer to host uh, Bar- Barbarians versus New Zealand, and just sort of put a whole kibosh on the on the England New Zealand plans. <laughs> Um, but Jack, um, going back to what um, I was saying about Scotland taking their strongest team, I mean, on would you rather see? More Scotland players in the Lions setup, um, or would you rather see Scotland take their strongest team on tour? A hundred percent, Scotland's strongest team. Uh, we, I, uh, I mentioned this last time. I would um, the the previous time I was on before the Italy game um, about how I, I want Vern. I Co- know uh, um, I want Gregor Townsend to be given a fair chance, not everyone on his back because Cotter's uh, been has uh, been uh, kicked out against as well. Um, I think Townsend could do something really special with Scotland, and my rugby interests are fully with uh, within the interests of Scottish rugby rather than the Lions, which unfortunately, just because of Scotland's representation in the past, quite a lot of Scottish fans have become disillusioned too. Um, just to touch on what Al was saying about the youngsters, it would be great if there was some sort of invite to train. Obviously, it's a bit different doing it halfway across the world, but seeing guys like Blair Kinghorn and Scott Cummings, which Gav mentioned in his article, and um, I think that'd be a really good opportunity to get mm-hmm. some of the youngsters just getting into that international setup, not necessarily playing, but just joining them 
Yeah, I think the Cummings has got, uh, you know, Cummings has got a chance to go on merit if if there's even one one of the Gray brothers um, goes on tour. That would leave you with the Gray, Swinson, Kilchrist, and Toulis. So it depends how many locks you want to take on tour. Maybe only four. So, um, but if you know if he picks both Gray brothers, then Cummings is the fourth. You know, he's the the next next lock available. He looks like um, a really good talent. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's really really impressive. So. I know, I know what you mean. There's, um, it's almost like you want loads of Scots to get picked for the Lions, so that he has to take young guys on the tour. But on the other hand, you want a strong Scotland team on the tour to that they can do well and set a marker. You know, Townsend can put a marker down and actually say, you know, we're going to kick on from the, kick on from that Six Nations and become more of a threat, not just kind of go back and rebuild a little. And um, Gav's tipping uh, Nick Grigg as well for the. Um for the summer tour, I think. Um, just how hard a paper round has he had? He's only 24, but he looks <laughs> at least 30, late 30s. I would say his paper round was not as hard as Brian Allen Oasis. <laughs> maybe they had... Do you think they, maybe, had his 23rd birthday this week. Yeah, that's true. Unless he had the same paper round. Yeah. <laughs> and somewhere down in New Zealand, I think. I mean, I think Greg comes out of uh, New Zealand as well. He's... Yeah. I mean, he's he's been quite, he's been quite impressive. He's a... Stocky little centre, um, but you know he's he's maybe Hamish Watson kind of you know he's got that that kind of leg drive power that uh, that we used to eulogise Jeff Cross for having, and uh, he yeah he he seems to uh, he seems to like a powerful runner. He cuts some nice lines, and I think if Ben it depends on Bennett's injury really. I think if Bennett's fit again, he'll probably go, but if Bennett's not fit, you've got Jones out. We're still not sure about Duncan Taylor, and um, I think Duncan Taylor will probably go if he's fit. And yeah, Nick Grigg again. He's probably the next cab off the rank. So it just it depends on on who's elsewhere. I think we're probably, despite the fact we were going on about our luxuries in the centre at the start of the tournament, I think we'll be lucky to get a centre on the Lions tour. So um, injury will probably decide that one rather than absent. Um, and then that was Big Vern's last game in charge at the weekend. Um, it was quite an emotional send off. Um, have Scotland made a huge mistake, Al? Uh, you know, I, I think this is where I go against what you know a lot of comments. I think we've seen. I don't necessarily think we have. So I go back, looking back to the discussion we had last week, and where we went through the ratings. But one we didn't discuss that I think was in the Italy pile was the a, a rating for Vern Carr. So I think I gave him a seven and a half. So you know, I think he's done a, a pretty monumental job. Uh, in terms of getting the team to where they are. But there were signs, you know, you take the England game, there were signs there that he was having some of the same issues that he had to a degree that he had at Clermont and that, you know, he can get his teams to the big games, but his ability to always win those big games um, wasn't always there. Um, and the question is, you know, is he able to to take that, you know, development onto that next stage in the way that kind of Eddie Jones has taken is taken England and and I feel like I really do need to clean my mouth out with probably <laughs> bleach and something else deeply unpleasant um <laughs> at the thought but you know he he has given them that just win you know winning big games generally um regardless of what's you know the circumstance and whatnot and, and I think Tooney's going to inherit probably he's the best position um, that any coach Scotland's had for you know 
probably about 20 years thereabouts in terms of, of picking up in terms of depth of squad, talent in the squad, confidence, um, professionalism across Scotland in terms of the game has improved so much. So he's got all the ingredients there. And what we have seen at Glasgow is is Tooney's ability to turn solid foundations. You know, everyone said the same thing when he went in there, having made a mistake getting rid of Lenin. You know, Tooney's getting parachuted in from the national, the you know the national setup. What's he done to earn it? And he's made an absolute roaring success of that side and really developed the players. He can bring that into the Scotland team. Night 2019 suddenly becomes a really exciting tournament for Scotland. So, you know, Vern Cotter goes with my absolute best wishes. Uh, I'm sure he'll have great fun spending all the money he's getting in Montpellier. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's a thoroughly stand up guy. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see what Tony can do with this guide. You know, I think he's got a real opportunity here. And, Rui, it's interesting what Al's saying there about um, Vern Cotter's maybe some of his failings because I was looking back over the round table that we did after the first Six Nations whitewash and I think I'd said that he was maybe a bit tactically naive in terms of his benches because he he didn't stock them with players that were able to finish off matches and again that was maybe something we saw this tournament as he you know he's not stacking his benches with the sorts of versatile players that might at least see matches out. I mean, for example, you know, he's persisting with Duncan Weir where maybe Rory Jackson, even if he's not getting game time, might have given a bit more mm. of an option. Yeah, I mean it's the it's that um it's that thing I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to um bring in Eddie Jones again as well. It's that thing of finishers. Um you're looking for the it's a sort of it's a mix of you want you want versatility on your bench in case of injury, which definitely you know I think that hurt us against against England when we lost certain positions. You know obviously you can't cover everything, and it was just that you know that unique combination of injuries that caused the most damage by not having enough cover on your bench. So you need a bit of versatility, but you also need these guys who can come on, not necessarily change a game, but kind of up the level and and do. Do that little bit extra, bring bring a bit more impact and and guys with a little bit of um, a little bit of X factor. And I think uh, yeah, he he's probably uh, I'm not sure if it's he, he hasn't picked them or maybe he just hasn't had those guys available. I mean, you'd think probably if Pete Horn had been fit at the start of the tournament, he probably would have been in the training squad, and he might have been the you know he might have been the the standoff on the bench. Um, Dunkey Weir did you know. Did a, did a solid job when he uh, when he was on, you know he's not he's not going to let you down, but he's not quite at the same level as Russell at the moment. Um, and I think yeah, you could you could say that um, that was possibly a failing of of Cotter's. I mean the other thing, um, the other thing that uh, that you might sort of criticise him on is is possibly you know some of the the tactics when we when we saw the. After you know, after that that white whitewash, when they actually got their you know when they got their their organised chaos game going against Argentina, and that was the sort of big announcement of yes, look here we are, we're back now. Um, and uh, in fact, that might have been just before the whitewash. Actually, the, it was, the November yeah. before. Yeah. Um, you know when where did where did that go? Um, this was my hands in the ruck, so I'm going to have to go away and think of another <laughs> hands in the ruck. But um, yeah, it's you know where's the offloading game? Um, the the organised chaos is kind of it's become more organised and less chaotic, and that certainly has helped us win win test matches. Don't get me wrong, um, and it, it's it sort of fits in around around Greg Laidlaw, who's not really a kind of chaotic 
player, the chaotic, you know, that style, the fast style doesn't suit him, but it does suit Price and it does suit Townsend. And so I think it could be, it might actually be that although Vern Cotter came up with the, the kind of concept of it um, based on, you know, what he'd, he'd had chats, I think, with Jim Telfer and, and Ian McEachin about how a Scottish team should play. Um, I think, you know, he might have he might have conceptualised it, but maybe not quite executed it quite right. And uh, it could be interesting to see because probably the, the closest I've ever seen to organised chaos was that Glasgow um, final against Munster, where they just, you know, it, they were unplayable, basically. I mean, we, Scotland don't have a Leone Nakarawa, but uh, but um, they've got most of the rest of those guys still still playing. And Jack, for you, what, what, what for you is Vern Cotter's legacy? Um, I've, he's been the first uh, coach in such a long time who's given these talented players a license to go out and play a bit, and it's shown there's a confidence, uh, a confidence in Scotland going forward. I mean, uh, we touched upon it in the the last blog, and how we've gone from being just almost crying out for a penalty when we're in their opposition 22 because we've got no chance of getting over the line to now expecting points when we visit and normally in tries rather than penalties now. I mean, he's just given a, a, a very good group of players, which has been built upon mostly by Glasgow, the, the opportunity to go out and express themselves. And uh, I imagine that's definitely going to be carried forward. And Al, for you, what, what do you think... Um... You know, come 2019, will we be looking back and thanking Vern Cotter, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, undoubtedly, he has laid... You know, he was the right coach at the right time. Um, I think you can see that the progress the team has made. The foundations are good. He's instilled no end of confidence, I think, in the players. <clears throat> you know, I, I think you can see the development that they have made. Um, so, yeah, I think... He will he will be looked back at uh, fondly. Um, you know, I, I think he's done a good job, and he can be he can be hearty proud of the work that he's done in his about three and a bit years here. And Rory, you you met him up close and personal, did you on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, went up and said, shook his hand after the press conference, and just said said thanks, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm not a not a professional journalist, so I, I'm a you know I'm writing for the point of view of being a fan. And uh, it was it was great. I mean, it's it'll be coming up for ten years later in the year that Hal and I started the site off, and probably you know been following the game for for a few years before that as well. And it's nice to finally actually have something sort of some some concrete, not quite success, but um, he's definitely brought a feel good factor back to Scottish rugby. You know, the Murrayfield Murrayfield is singing again. The uh, the the stands are full. Um, you know, kids are kids have got new heroes in uh, in Stuart Hogg, Finn Russell, Johnny Gray, guys like that, and uh, a large part of that is is down to to him engendering the success on the field. There's loads of other stuff. He who shall not be named has, has actually done a lot of work in terms of putting academies and stuff in place, which are gradually filtering through with the younger players. And and you know, there's and Mark Dodson's done a lot of stuff off the pitch to get the finances in order to get the sponsorship deals in place and things, but that's all very well but if your team is still underperforming on the pitch it's not going to make a difference and I think they recognise that they got they got Vern in to do the job and um, as maybe you know he's he's done the job he's a six he's the six out of the ten in the best best possible way and um, how was your hand after the handshake 
Uh, yeah, he's um, he's quite a, quite an imposing figure uh, up close. Um, he, he's not. I don't think he he's going to be one of those guys that's still pretty tall, even when he gets even when he gets old. It's uh, yeah, firm, shall we say? Comment of the week. Okay, guys, it's time for comment of the week. Um, there's a bit of a difference this time because we're going to do comment of the tournament. We've been going back through all the articles and looking at your comments. Um, Jack, what have you gone with? Um, so my one is from just just at the start, really, of the tournament. It was on. I can't, it must have been on one of the Irish. Um, it was either on the players' ratings or the match report, and. For the life of me, I, I looked this up a couple of days ago. And I can't remember who it was, but it's just some—it's just such a typical comment um, following that. It highlights how Ronan O'Gara made this huge accusation that, like, oh, Scotland had been really arrogant. And for the life of me, I can't remember the the laddie's name who wrote it. But he's pretty much just laughing. That's all he's doing. He's just laughing. I thought that was just hilarious that we've just turned over Ireland and got our first win at. In, on, on the opening day of the Six Nations for years, and all he's doing is just laughing at Ronan O'Carro for making this <laughs> this uh, quite uh, naive comment at the time. Quite right too. Um, Al, what about you? Yeah, so I, I, I pulled this one out and, uh, prior to the chat that we've just had, um, so it ties up quite nicely with some of the stuff that I think Rory was saying. So this is from Fraser, um, and it's actually on the Italy ratings post, which makes it sound like I only actually read the comments on the articles that I write. And so I that's what we all that. that's that's what we all do. It's right. <laughs> well, we, we are if nothing but a, a council of eagles. Uh, that's egos, not eagles. Um, so this is a bit of a long one, so you can settle in comfy. I won't read all of it. But yeah, Fraser, this I think makes a good point. So with all that happened yesterday with uh, Big Burn Cotter's swan song, I think the fact that another important member of the coaching team is also leaving was lost on most people. Although Vern has been the head coach, I don't think the impact of Jason O'Halloran can be overstated. I don't think it's a coincidence that the increased efficiency and cutting edge of the backs become a factor after his arrival. And uh, Rory, then, this is the bit that maybe picks up on your point. I remember looking into his background after he was appointed. And when he was at Manawatu, they had the fewest offloads in the ITM Cup, but the most line breaks. And he was known for instilling a knowledge of picking when was the best time to offload rather than looking to offload at every opportunity. Something that I felt we were guilty of a couple of years ago. Now, the, the comment goes on beyond that. But I think that point's really important. And, and it really stood out because I do think O'Halloran has done an absolute cracking job. Of, of really sharpening the knife um, that you know Scotland have. Um, so as much as you know we've given uh, Big Vern, you know, you know a lot of kudos. I think O'Halloran's role can't be underplayed, and it was good to see that getting called out. So, uh, and I think it does answer maybe Rory some of the questions you're asking around you know, yeah, why is that chaos gone? And I think it's because O'Halloran's impact is now being felt and, and, and you know I think there was always a hope that we were on to a good thing with Halloran um, you know the New Zealand press had a wee bit of a um, a, a bit of a dig at why he was allowed to even come over here and become here as a coach and not come as a head coach um, and you know I think their loss is definitely our gain and it's good to see him staying in the game at Glasgow um, and you do wonder if the long-term plan is for him to then take a, you know, a step up into a, you know, a head coach's role because I, I do think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, I'm just looking at because he was appointed in May 2015, so yeah, he sort of came along I think at the right time when maybe Cotter's then Cotter's grand plans were maybe on um, shaky foundations. Yeah, and yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah, I think he's. Uh, yeah, he's definitely. Um, I think yeah, Al makes a makes a good point. It, it, it's uh, he may have he may have sort of instilled the the kind of lack of offloading thing. I mean, you can see it when uh, that that last try against the Seymour try against Italy. Um, all it you know, it was an incredibly simple try. It was just hammering up through the forwards, and then put the ball through the hands. Nice, safe hands, quick passing. Make you know, take and give. Make sure you draw your defender, and boom, you've got an overlap and a, and a score. You know, it's it's simple, simple rugby. Um, I think probably for, for me, where I'd like to see a bit more of the organised chaos is up front. You know, I like to see you um, see the forwards doing a bit of a bit of offloading. Um, I don't think the backs should be playing sort of crazy sevens. Um, that might work if you've got a couple of Fijians in your team, but Scotland aren't going to have a couple of Fijians in their team for a while, for at least three years that I know about. Um, so yeah, I think uh, maybe maybe up front we'll have a bit more organised chaos, but uh, certainly I think the the influence of O'Halloran will, will continue in this team. And Rory, really watch in uh, Dave Rennie at Glasgow could be something else if they click together with yeah. bringing the Chiefs attacking Ted and O'Halloran's. Uh, yeah, just what O'Halloran's done with that Scottish backline that could be something really exciting to watch. Well, I think he worked with Dave Rennie, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. before and yeah. Vern Cotter's brother, I think, apparently. Is is the current coach of Manuatu or something? So they they all kind of I'm sure they all know each other. It's a circle down in New Zealand, doesn't it? Everyone seems to have worked with everyone down there. Okay, it's a wee it's a wee country. <laughs> <laughs> it's no different to Scotland, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, the rugby team's better. True, true. Slightly better. Yeah. Um, and Rory, who have you gone for? Uh, I've gone for the I man who's uh, said, yeah, four home wins on the trot, not to be sniffed at. Neither is nilling Italy. Nobody else managed it or even came close. Positives are collective stars rising. Hallelujah. Um, which I think pretty much sort of sum, sums up the mood. Um, yeah, successful tournament for Scotland, although I would take issue with his maths. Um, I think we're on five home wins on the trot. Argentina, Georgia, Ireland, Wales and Italy. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I think, Kilmarnock still does count as Scotland, but, um, but you know his, his general point is valid. Unless he was only counting Murrayfield. Yeah, yeah. maybe. If you've got a very, very, very um, tight definition yeah, of maybe, what home means. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in the West End of Edinburgh, maybe. Um, I've gone for Neil, who says, will there still be weekly podcasts now the Six Nations is over? Um, <laughs> and uh, no, there won't be. Um, but we are still planning on um, meeting up on a fairly regular basis to record these Um just to go back over what's been on the blog mainly and cover other bits and bobs. So I think we're going to aim to get one shortly after the Lions announcement, which I think is the 19th of April, unless anyone knows any different. No, that's uh, that's the date. Which is as good a point as any to have a Lions chat. It's the legally mandated Lions chat. The legally mandated Lions chat. Much about it that it makes us sick, but we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick. Last week we talked about which Scottish players were in contention, um, but we thought rather than doing a Six Nations team of the tournament, we'd just have a bit of fun picking our lines starting 15. Um, Rory, you've got the full um, lot in front of you. Who did forwards and who did backs in the end? Uh, Jack's gone for the forwards. Al's done the backs, and I have tried to do a, a bench, but been quite indecisive. Shall we start with the forwards? Yeah, go for it, Jack. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I've gone for an all Irish front row of Jack McGrath, Rory Best, and Tag Furlong, 
just I think as a unit they're really solid. Uh, I, I think best is the best. Oh, uh, like his, like his namesake is the best hooker around, and Tag Furlong just with doubts about whether WP Nelby fit. Um, I, I I've been pretty impressed with them. Yeah, uh, I, I thought Rory Best again a bit like um, his game management uh, at the end of that first half. I can't remember who it was on Twitter was pointing out that he looks at the clock just before he then throws a squint line out. That means that the whistle went, so he just delayed the line out throw a little bit, um, knowing that's that so if he, sneaky. yeah, knowing that if he threw <laughs> put in a, a squint throw, um, to which then Maro Atorji celebrated the squint throw. <laughs> the look on his face as he realised oh it's a scrum oh that means that the half's over um, was was quite special but yeah I'd agree with you I think that's a fair shout I don't know what the other guys think yeah I think it's difficult to argue against that I thought Furlong's been pretty good Um, yeah it's obviously bull in the loose as well as his scrummaging I just touched on Rory Best Uh, I mean obviously we'll probably open up a capsy debate later but he's one of very few that's recently captained a win over the All Blacks, so it's probably very good reason for him to lead, and not to mention the result against England. So that's that's why he was in my pecking order ahead of quite a lot of the other guys. Yeah. What, um, what about your second row? Uh, yeah. So I've gone with. Um, unfortunately, it hurt me to write this. They're both English. Um, I've gone, and I know it's probably open to debate, but I think Joe Lodgebury has been outstanding this tournament. I think yeah. he'd be yeah. right up there with player of the tournament. Um, and I've gone with Mario Atoji. No, no, no. I'm not allowed. No, you're not, not allowed. allowed. He didn't play in second row the entire Six Nations. You're not allowed. Absolutely. <laughs> I've, been getting, Absolutely. I've, been getting, I've been getting furious at people picking him in second row as their team of the tournament. He didn't play second row the entire tournament. So he automatically... Was it, was it, uh, it Gusket or... One of the one of the sort of either the Lions ambassadors or one of these um, uh, one of the BBC pundits who picked Itoji and Laws the opposite way round of what the, you picked Itoji <laughs> in the second row and Laws in the back row, despite the fact that they've both been playing in, in opposite positions the whole tournament. Yeah. I guess New Zealand would expect it. Yes, yeah. 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 secret plan. Right. Yeah, um, go on, pick somebody apart from Maro Itoji, Jack. I'm not, you know, I'm not letting you have it. They can't do that. That'll mess up my bench. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I had this. Maybe I have a huge debate beforehand about uh, yeah the permutations of the team. Um, uh, if Alan Wynne Jones wasn't injured, um, well, for six weeks, then it'd be him. So I'm, I'll shove Johnny Gray in there. Okay, let's go instead. That's fine. Okay, in your back row, <laughs> and that gives the token Scott of the pack. Sorry to give away the back row. Uh, CJ Stander, just outstanding yeah. ball carrying ability. I uh, don't think many people could debate about him. Um, maybe one that's up for debate. I've gone with Justin Tiprick at open side. Um, this is out. So obviously Sam Warburton was knocking on the door, but um, I've just been so impressed with Tiprick over the not just in the Six Nations, but in the last few months. I just think his games really come on, um, and he'd be a great link option to the backs. And then go with um, Big Billy Field of Pole at the back, yeah. the fat blob who seems to make over the game line every single time. Bit more slim these days though, but yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, yeah. slim down to what twenty-one stone or whatever yeah. he is now. <laughs> great, great fad diet from Billy Vinopolo. Yeah, and uh, Al, your backs. 
Yeah, so we'll start from uh, we'll start from the very back, and I think probably the one that I don't think anyone on this call is going to argue with. Um, and probably you know I think Mike Brown. most people agree. Yeah, <laughs> you've taken the glory, Mike Brown. Absolutely, <laughs> no. Um, Mike Brown might be able to tie his shoelaces, but Stuart Hogg's on the plane. Stuart Hogg surely he's got the fifteen shirt. Uh, you know, I think he answered a lot of questions in that early game about his defence, and you know he's you're going to New Zealand. You need to be able to to keep them on their toes, and and Hogg can do that and should be able to do that better than any of the other options that we have. So a Hogg, to my mind, nailed in at fifteen. Um, <clears throat> moving down out in the wing, Seymour. Um, he was a six against Italy. I think we all agreed. Uh, relatively quiet. It did his job, but he is a world-class finisher. And and mm. you do think a Lions team will give him chances. Um, and he's defensively pretty solid. And he scored so, against uh, he scored against New Zealand as well. He has mine. So has Tim Visser twice. So, um, <laughs> so stick him on the plate. Which, I <laughs> your eleven for the two. For yeah, but, but, yeah, absolutely. So um, but Rock himself. What was that? The aerial rock that is Tim Visser. <laughs> the aerial rock, the uh, the, uh, the the turning tanker that is Tim Visser. Um, so yeah, Seymour in at fourteen. I think then uh, on the other wing, I've gone with Earls. Um, you know, I think Earls had a, a a reasonable tournament. I was actually having a look uh, earlier today um, in what passes for homework. Um, at the Accenture team of the tournament. And I think actually Earl's made the most line breaks or equal most line breaks uh, in the tournament um, this year. And I, and I think he's got the experience and you do need some experience. And here's a lot of first timers going to be going out. New Zealand's not the place for an entire team of first timers. So Earl's, I think Earl's gets a shout. Probably uh, um, that probably means that Fraser Brown won't make the squad just for harmony's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it'd be an opportunity for them to make up. True. <laughs> um, and then looking at the centres, so I've gone for uh, no surprises at 12 in Farrell. Um, I, you know, he is a beast. And as much as it pains me to say it, he, he gives you that, you know, he's defensively very solid and he's a 10, but mm. the size of a bus. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's difficult to see past Farrell for 12. 13, uh, Gary Ringrose. And it was really a toss-up between uh, Ringrose and uh, Joseph. Um, but I think Ringrose gets the nod. I think if Hugh Jones had been fit, I think he could have made a case. Um, but, you know, 13 is probably the weakest position, the weakest choices we've got uh, in in the backs. But, uh, yeah, Ringrose gets the nods from me. And then looking at uh, 9 and 10 and... Um, here's here's a combination to give you eternal Eric. <laughs> um, at nine, Reese Webb. Um, he he may be just the the chippiest person on the planet, and uh, he is like Mike Phillips incarnate. Um, but Same he is, time. yeah, he's he's a good player, and yeah. I, 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 his ability to you know to just keep uh, defence honest. Um, as we saw, you know, in the Scotland game, you know, he was sniping around the edges consistently, consistently very unlucky not to score. Um, you know, I, I think he's had a really good tournament and I think he gets the nod ahead of Conor Murray. And then uh, it's difficult to look beyond Sexton. Yeah, his ability mm. to control the game, certainly as you're starting 10, you, you can't really look beyond Johnny Sexton, I don't think. So, so anyway, there's your backs for... Uh, discussion and delectation 
And, and Rory, I've messed your bench up. Uh, you have kind of let me just do a quick shovel. I mean, firstly, um, replacement hooker, I've gone for Owens, but it's probably a toss-up between Owens and Jamie George, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, Hartley will probably make the tour, but uh, let you know, Let's we, don't, we don't have to make decisions <laughs> like that. Um, I think on the... Uh, Replacement loose head's got to be Makovinopoulos. Mac- I mean, if you look between, if you've got him and him and McGrath, that's two great ball carrying options. You've got, um, you need um, against New Zealand, who pretty much have a, a team of all players from one fifteen. You need to try and find as close as you can get to that. And uh, I think uh, Mako and the, the Irish lads are are pretty good in that regard. I'm possibly going to undo all. Basically, contradict what I just said by saying the replacement tight head's probably Dan Cole. Um, Dan Cole, who did, was, it, was it earlier in the tournament had made had never carried the ball? <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. Um, I think yeah, just for a bit of bit of scrummaging. I mean, that's uh, that's probably one of the. I think if you're uh, if you're Gatland, maybe that's one of the uh, one of the the problem areas is tight head, um, which is why so many people had WPNL in their fantasy teams. Half uh, or their you know their fantasy lines teams halfway through the Six Nations when he hadn't you know clearly not playing. Um, I think uh, yeah that's maybe an, an area of worry. Replacement second row. Okay, so you well you see I had Richie Gray in here, but if you parachute Johnny Gray, I'm probably going to have to put Achoji into the into the onto the bench there. Um, but I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to allow I'm going to have to allow it just for sheer. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just say it's replace a replacement forward, not specifically a replacement second row. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, I he think, can he I can mean, sit I on the bench with, and write his poetry, can't he? Yeah, I agree. I agree with uh, Jack's initial uh, second row. I think of Lunch Briatoji. So um, actually, probably you know Courtney Laws might even be there. It could be a triple triple threat of English locks, despite the you know the rest of the talent available. But I thought Richie Gray would be a good uh, good bench lock to bring off a bit mm. of impact, a little bit of something extra. Um, Seeing as he's picked Tipperick in the starting team, I think Warburton probably covers the bench. Warburton, Faletau, Heaslip could be any one of them, but I think Warburton's in great form. Um, Connor Murray, obviously, is pretty much between Murray and Webb. Um, even at this stage, I think who's going to who's going to start will probably come down to form on tour, but it's between those two really. Um, picking the picking the backs was it was actually quite. I mean, it's. You can see what a problem Gatlin's going to have because there's just so much. There's so much choice. You have to not only do you have to take in. You know, it's it's hard enough picking it, say a Scotland team based on the choices, but then you've got you've got uh, four countries worth to, to pick from. And uh, so I've gone for Jonathan Joseph and either Elliot Daly or Liam Williams. Um, I think you know there's possibly scope but um for another 10 12 type but you've got farrell already on there so you know if there's a problem with six then you would just move farrell inside and then you'd need a then you'd probably want a center um so you probably wouldn't want a dedicated 10 like ford or bigger on the bench but maybe there's an argument that russell could could play a role there with a bit of experience at 12 um but yeah i think joseph is uh, joseph is in fine form um elliot daly too um he's a kicker he can cover wing 13 fullback um, which is probably a harsh on Liam Williams, who's actually, you know, Liam Williams actually went really well against New Zealand down there last year, um, all things considered. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, probably in the, probably in the, uh, on the on the wing at some point. And then, how do you think your team's doing, then, guys? I mean, um, 
just do you think that team will win any of the three tests, Rory? Um, yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty monster pack, and there's plenty on the bench. So I would say I would say maybe one. Uh, Jack, you share Rory's optimism of winning one one game out of three against New Zealand. <laughs> Uh, because uh, our brilliant minds picked it, I'd go with complete whitewash win yeah. all the provincial games as well. Yeah, and then uh, Al will just turn around and um, blame Warren Gatlin when he doesn't pick our team and say that's the reason why they didn't win any. I'll blame Warren Gatlin regardless, um, <laughs> as, I, as I did in Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could put the All Blacks with Warren Gatlin and they would get beat, so... Yeah, I I seriously I think we'll I, I agree with Rory. I think we'll I think we will get one. All right there. Take that team. I, I think we will get one. The, I hope it's not the third one when there's nothing nothing to play for. It'd be nice to be nice to have a, a good series. I mean, yes, they won a test series in Australia, but that was a pretty weak Australia side and they almost did it in spite of Gatland. I don't think that's gonna work this time around. I don't think you can I don't think he can Gatlin can afford to make sort of poor selectorial choices. I get that that might mean that a couple of 50-50 calls don't go the way of Scottish players, but um, you know it's the All Blacks. They are a lot less forgiving than than that Wallaby team four years ago. Well, with that, the best world's best attack coach um, in the line setup, we should be fine. I didn't pick my bench with Gatlin with Warren Ball in mind. Actually, I should have. <laughs> Okay, um, it's the final hands of the Rook of the Six Nations, so we're going to do a bit of a different one and, and, and ask the guys what there has been in, had its hands in their Rook for the whole tournament. Um, Jack, we'll start with you. Um, being the easily irritated person that I am, there were so many options, but I, I think it's going to have to come down to um, just following the England-Italy game, the complete disrespect from Eddie Jones and Matt Dawson in particular towards Italy's tactics, they were made to look a bit silly, and even though they came out with a bonus point, to act like such petulant children, like I, I, I just don't think that's within the spirit of rugby, and it, it was a bit of a downer, really. It should have just held their hands up and said fair play, but yeah, I'll go with that. I think that that's really annoyed me since it happened. <laughs> still, still continuing to burn no, no, now. <laughs> uh, and now, what about you? What have you gone for for your hands in the ruck for the tournament? Yeah, I, I, at the risk of um, going for probably what is the most obvious one and, and probably the biggest discussion point for all the nations over this tournament, Italy and its uh, and their continued uh, presence at the Six Nations table. I, I don't think they've done their any themselves their cause any good uh, at this tournament. Um, I think they've actually regressed as the tournament has gone on, with the exception of possibly, a, 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 and I would agree with Jack on this, a bright spot against England, you know, that I think they brought something else to the table that day and they executed reasonably well for 60-odd minutes um, before the wheels came off uh, you know, that particular uh, that particular clown car. Um, but, you know, the game against Scotland, <laughs> dire, terrible, awful, no club, no no team should get nilled in international rugby. I don't care how bad you are. You should never get nilled. Portugal would have got three against us. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, that uh, at a time when there's a clamour um, mm. for other teams to maybe be considered, 
this was not the time for Italy to have um, an absolute ricket of a tournament. I, I sort of agree with you. I think my hands in the ruck was the clamour for Georgia to be in the Six Nations, but I, I can sort of see a scenario where Italy just car- don't develop and don't put up much of opposition and the pro teams carry on being rubbish. Um, and, and I could see the sort of tournament organisers turning around to them and putting them on some sort of notice, which I think probably should happen the next couple of years if things don't get better. Um, but I also sort of can see the Six Nations point that you know they're not there to bring on Georgia and bring on Romania. Um, and I guess Georgia have got finances behind them, but I think it all just comes from one mad bloke with a lot of money. So whether or not that's actually sustainable, I don't know. Um, and we comfortably beat them in the autumn, and they were beaten by Romania at the weekend. So I don't think they're necessarily all they're cracked up to be. And I would worry that we're just replacing... Italy with another Italy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think the time. I think you're right. I don't think you could parachute Georgia in just now and say, right, you know, take Italy's place and go forth and, and try and stand up to see England uh, or indeed any of the other the, the other Six Nations teams. But uh, I do think Italy has to get its house in order. You know, I mean, Scotland was in that position, you know, a few years ago and has mercifully got his house in order and Italy needed to go through that same process. Maybe Conor O'Shea is the man, um, but there will be other teams as rugby continues to grow. I mean, Germany, I think, are kicking on a wee bit and you know, obviously Romania are doing a bit better. So that will only um, put the fire under uh, Italian uh, uh, posteriors uh, to uh, get their act together, I would suggest. And and Rory, what's had its hands in Europe this tournament? Well, um, I'm going to say internet commenters because uh, not, 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 not knowledgeable inter- internet pundits like us, naturally. Um, but yeah, I, I actually I feel quite blessed with the uh, commenters that we have on the site. I mean, we did see quite a big uh, spike in traffic after the, the England game and uh, lots of new guys coming on and commenting. But actually, you know, the, the standard of knowledge and uh, and occasional wit amongst uh, the guys that read the site is is pretty high and then you go on to you know you go on to the the scotsman website which is sort of um i guess you could say politically divided and every every comment has to have some sort of um some sort of political undertone to it and also just constant sort of negative sniping at, at, at either at the scotland team or or at the whoever's written the articles um which you know they do have a fair point. The uh, the Scotland, the, certainly the Scotsman website is a complete pain to use. So um, I'd just like to reassure our readers we will not have crazy pop ups every thirty seconds on our site. If before I can help before it. before you go on, Rory, can you just answer a short survey? Yeah. <laughs> I, I intend to buy curtains in the near future, the very near future, or tomorrow. <laughs> um, I've got a, a small uh, story about Scotsman comments. My favourite ever one was my cousin used to work as a sub-editor on the Scotsman, and um, for things like um, Press Association and Associated Press, press releases and, and the like, they would just make up the names of reporters um, for bylines. And the rugby report, I think it might still be used now, is Gareth Black, which is my brother. And he just right. borrowed my brother's name for the byline. Um, and I think they kept on using it as it was a real writer for, for years. And 
I just remember the comment under one of these stories, which was like, I'm sick of all these articles by this Gareth Black. He clearly doesn't know anything about rugby. Which <laughs> <laughs> It may be, yeah. Uh, it may be true. I will, I will not reveal whether we have our own ghostwriter or not. Our ghost, <laughs> ghostwriter account. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, the Scotsman's just just one of them. I mean, there there's a. I mean, the the Lions Lions um, teams that get put up by the Lions Facebook page are, you know, it's hilarious, but uh, it's also quite worrying that everyone is just completely blinkered as to the, as to their own. Uh, their own country. It's actually quite good when you go on there and you see it's the, the Scots that are being the kind of the rational ones. Um, but yeah, and have your say on the BBC. That's just that's nuts as well. They're all good for a laugh, but uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to spend any time. But I have. To, I would also say that we've discovered Reddit. So yes. I shout out to anyone that's discovered this podcast on Reddit. Um, we're gonna yeah. That seems to be a there was a there was a pre-Calcutta Cup sledging thread in there which was basically just go on and slag off the opposition in, in as amusing a style as you could in there. That, that, I don't know, maybe that's something we'll, we'll adopt. It seems to be something that the young people enjoy. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it's, it's a sort of dark and, dark and scary world, but uh, there's, there's a laugh to be had for sure. So uh, th- thanks to all our commenters uh, and for reading and listening and all that sort of stuff, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah, and that's probably a good point as any to end it. So uh, thank you guys for listening over the course of the Six Nations. Uh, we've had a lot of fun doing this. And like I said, we'll, we'll try and do them on a semi-regular basis um, from here on in and give a bit of notice about when they're going to be going up. Um, we will carry on writing our regular articles and covering the upcoming Glasgow and Edinburgh European Games and other bits and bobs on the blog, which is scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at scottrugbyblog. Um, and um, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes even though we are doing this semi-regularly from here on end, it does help Um, and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from the other guys too Bye guys, Cheers. cheers Captain, my captain, our fearful trip has done. The ship has weathered every rack, the prize we sought is won. The port is near, the bells I hear, the people all exulting, while follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But oh heart, 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 oh the bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen, cold and dead. O captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up, for you the flag is flung, for you the bugle trills. For you the bouquets and ribbon wreaths, for you the shores are crowding. For you they call the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, captain, dear father, this arm beneath your head. It is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. My captain does not answer. His lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm. 
He has no pulse, no will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip the victor ship comes in with object one. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells, but I with mournful tread. Walk the deck my captain lies, fallen, cold, and dead. <laughs>